by faith I know you're out there. <laughs> Last week I shared with you as much as I could in the allotted time about the necessity and the provision to be filled with God's Spirit. There's a verse in Ephesians 5.18 where the Apostle Paul wrote, Do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a present imperative in the original language, which means keep being filled with God's Spirit. Now, we would be greatly offended in our churches if the pastor came out one Sunday morning and he was drunk. We would say, how could he do that in disobedience to God's word? But we don't put the equal emphasis on the second command, and that is keep being filled with God's spirit. Disobedience is disobedience. For believers not to be filled with God's spirit is disobedience as much as if the pastor came out drunk. And having said that, I would encourage you, if you do not know how to be filled, do not know for sure that you are filled with God's spirit, I would encourage you, pursue it. Pursue it. It took me two or three years to ever come to the place where I understood how I could cooperate with God so that I could cash in on what he had provided at Pentecost for me. And so I would encourage you, seek God about the fullness of the Spirit. It was the first thing that made such a profound difference in my life after I was saved. I was saved at 16 years of age. But nobody talked about the fullness of God's Spirit And I kept wondering about it and seeking and seeking and seeking. And finally at age 26, I finally understood what God was saying to me. This is what I want from you. And I will fill you with my spirit. So I encourage you, pursue it. And don't rest and don't be satisfied. Because you'll see later tonight. It will make a difference in your eternal reward. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul speaks about something the Lord Jesus said. It's not found in any of the Gospels, but it obviously was something that Jesus stated. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Now think of that for a moment. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That is a secret for the Christian life. Tucked away right through the scripture are these secrets. That if you take them seriously and do what they say, it will make a rich, rich difference in your life and in your daily experience. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I was attending a retreat in Florida. I was living in Virginia at a retreat center that we had established. I went down to Florida to be with some men, and we were having a retreat in central Florida. I was not there to speak. I was there to soak, listen, fellowship. Some men were there. If I call their names, some of you would know who they were. One morning, during that time in central Florida, I awoke early. We were living, we were staying in a bunk house, a bunch of men in one bunk room, and I didn't want to disturb them, so I got up and I went to a little ante room by myself, couldn't turn a light on because I would disturb the other, the other brothers. And so I just sat down on the floor in this little ante room. Couldn't read my Bible, it was too dark. So I just sat down and I began to pray. And this question came to mind. And I knew this was the Lord. The devil wouldn't ask me this question. I know it wasn't going to come from my own flesh. And this was the question. Do you want to please me or do you want me to please you? Do you want to please me or do you want me to please you? I wasn't about to answer that question quickly. Oh, I knew what the answer ought to be and should be. But I knew if the Holy Spirit was asking me that question, it was a serious matter and I must not answer lightly nor glibly. So I didn't answer right away. And I sat there and kept praying. This was a serious issue. And I kept on praying and kept on praying and kept and worked through it in prayer. And finally, I settled it. I want to please you. I want to please you. I don't want to live for you to please me. I want to live to please you. Well, by that time, daylight had come. I had my Bible, and I took my pen. I was using a large New American Standard Bible in those years, and I took my pen, and there was a blank page here. 
And I settled it and I wrote on that blank page on the left-hand side. Whatever will please you will satisfy me. And on the other side I wrote to please him in all things. And folks, I did not realize at that moment the absolute significance that was going to be in my life these 45 or so years later. But that morning changed my life. It was something more than what I had discovered when I discovered that God could fill me with his spirit. It was like a step beyond that. It was a complete paradigm shift. Because you see, before that, I would go in to have my quiet time morning by morning. Uh, I, I was a seeker after God. And I'd go in to have my quiet time morning after morning. And I would go in wanting God to bless me and God to speak to me and God to do this for me and God to do that for me. And I'd want God to bless my ministry. But all of a sudden, that changed. I had a different reference point now. And so I went back home to Virginia. And I decided one night before I went to bed that I was going to get up the next morning and just began my quiet time with seeking to bless God. David understood how to do this. I didn't know how to do this. I'd never heard anybody talk about it. Nobody teach it. And so the next morning, I woke up earlier than usual, slipped out of bed, went into my study, shut the door, and I got down on my face I've often, not so much now because of my age, but I've often, in younger years, I'd pray laying face down. I wanted to get as low as I could before the Lord whom I loved. And I got on my face on the carpet. And I began to bless God. Now, mind you, I did not know how. This was all new to me. My vocabulary was very limited but the best I knew, I blessed him and blessed him and praised him and worshiped him. And it was like I would get to a certain place and I'd want to do what I'd always done. I'd want to start asking him for things. And it was like the Holy Spirit would put his fingers to my lips. Don't ask. Blessing. My entire time was spent doing the best I knew how to bless the heart of God, to bring him pleasure. It's more blessed to give than to receive, even with the Lord.
my time was up. We had breakfast downstairs with my children to have some time together as a family. And my time was up and I had to get up and, and go. I had not read the Bible. I had not asked for the first thing. All I had done was spend the entire time blessing the heart of God, praising God, wanting to give him pleasure. I want to tell you something. I went through that day and it was unlike any day I had ever experienced in my life. There was a buoyancy. There was a joy. There was an overflowing gladness. There was peace. It was such a different kind of day for me that to this day I remember it. It was stunning. All that had happened was there had been a paradigm shift. I made a choice. It's not about me being blessed by God. It's about me blessing the heart of God. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Do you remember the woman, the precious woman of bad reputation who came to the Pharisee's house and there was the Lord Jesus and she came around to where he was reclining at the table and she knelt down at his feet and she began to weep. Her tears washed his feet and then she took her hair and let it down, which a woman would never do, and she dried his feet with her hair and she just wept and worshipped him and wept at his feet and, and blessed him. Everybody else was looking for something from him. She was looking for nothing from him. She was giving to him the worship and our adoration for his love and for who he was. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene took that spikenard bottle of ointment, broke it, poured it on his head, over his body. Expensive as a whole year's wages. She never asked for a thing. She just gave to him. Everybody else wanted something from him. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, As they were ministering to the Lord, the church, as they were ministering to the Lord. When I came across that, I thought, well, God ministers to us, and we minister to each other, and I'd never heard about ministering to the Lord. And yet, when I looked it up in the original language, that's exactly what it says. They were ministering to the Lord with prayer and fasting. Do 
that decision began to cover color everything in my life. You see, this precious little woman that I've been married to now 59 years, it changed the way I thought. I wanted to bless her and serve her and care for her and not look for her to serve me and bless me. I wanted to bless my children and do the thing with my children that the Lord would do if he were their daddy. It changed my ministry. From now on, it was not asking God for blessing on my ministry. It was wanting God to find great pleasure in how I served him and how I loved him and leave the results with him. It changed my quiet time. From then on, it was not going into my quiet time to get blessings so I can get through another day, but rather it was going into my time alone with the Lord to bless him, to praise him, to read the word, to hear what he says that he would like for me to do that would bring pleasure to his heart. You see, God is a person. God is a person and we see what he's like in the life of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus was blessed by the woman who washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. He was blessed by Mary when she broke the spikenard bottle of ointment. He was blessed by the faith of the centurion to whom he said, oh, great is your faith. I have not found so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. He was blessed by the Syrophoenician woman. She gave him the trust that he wanted people to give to him. And so that was another lesson in my pilgrimage. To give God pleasure. To give God blessing. To want him glorified more than for me to be successful. For him to see that I wanted to bless him and love him and adore him and and be everything that he created me to be. So that I would be like David, a man. After God's heart. Why was David a man after God's heart? Even though he sinned, why was he a man after God's heart? You read through the Psalms and you see, he just wanted to bless the heart of God. Can you imagine what church would be like if these believers that gathered on Sunday morning would come together and they had one purpose and that is to bless the heart of God. To worship him. Not to seek his blessing, but to bless him. You'll never outgive God. Never. Never. You draw near to God 
when in your heart of hearts you want to please him and bless him and glorify him before you want him to bless you. When you look at the model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's really just the model prayer, teaching us the ABCs of prayer, you look at the very first three things said and you realize praying should be focused on what God wants. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Worship. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's first him. And then give us this day our daily bread. That morning, the seed was sown in my heart and it has grown and grown and grown all these years. Till now, often, I so long for him to be glorified and blessed in his church. I cannot pray it without tears because I love him with all of my heart and soul, mind and strength. Nothing else matters but the will of God by the spirit of God for the glory of God. All else matters is nothing. And in your personal life, if you've not done this before, if you've never experienced this kind of approach to the Father, it will release you and bring you into an intimacy with him like you've never known before because you want to blessing and pleasing. It's a matter of love. If I love my wife with agape love, like I'm commanded to in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, if I love her that way, I want what's best for her, no matter what it costs me. I want to care for her needs before my own. I want to serve her and bless her whether she serves me and blesses me or not. And she does wonderfully. But the greatest satisfaction comes in giving, not receiving. It doesn't make sense to our minds. But it's true. 
in 2 Peter chapter, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 10. It says, so whether at home or absent, we make it our aim to please him. So whether at home or absent, we make it our aim to please him. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 9 and 10, it says the fruit of the light is all good, is what is good, right, and true and try to discern what will please the Lord. See, it's not focusing on ourselves. Paul said to the Ephesians, try to discern what will please the Lord. You're getting ready to buy a new car. Try to discern what will please the Lord. You want to correct your children about something that they need correction about. Try to discern what will please the Lord in the way you correct them. You're pondering another job. Try to discern what will please the Lord. It's your aim in life. Paul made it his aim. If you don't aim at something, you're not going to hit anything. He made it his aim. It was a deliberate choice in the Apostle Paul. I make it my aim to please him in all things. It's a deliberate choice. If I am his, bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it should be in my heart of hearts to please him. In 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, it says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which we have from God. It says, Know you not that you're bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so if we want to please him, it's by glorifying him in our body. We make that our aim and we set out to do it as best we understand. We try to discern what his will is so we can do his will to please him and to glorify him. And then it tells us in the 10th verse, why? Why should Paul make it his aim to please the Lord? Why should we make it our aim to please the Lord, to bless the Lord? Why should we want him to look down at us and know that he is pleased? 
Do you remember when the Lord Jesus was baptized? The heavens opened and a voice spoke. And he said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Make note of that. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now notice, the Lord Jesus had not begun his ministry. He had not preached his first sermon. He had not healed his first sick person. He had not cast out his first demon. What had he done? He had worked in the carpenter shop with his dad, his earthly dad. He learned the trade. They assumed that his dad died soon after he was 12 years old. And being the eldest, he would take care of his mother and his half-brothers and sisters. And so he worked as a carpenter. A hidden, ordinary life. Took care of his mother, fed the family. And yet God spoke and said with you, I am well pleased. We think he's well pleased with our ministry. No, he's well pleased when we do everything in family or business or work or whatever to please God the Father. That's what Jesus did. That's why the Father was well pleased. It's not ministry. It's not building a big church. It's not just going on mission trips. It's how we live in the secret details of our life, day in and day out. So the Father looks upon us and sees us obeying in the little things because we want to give him pleasure. And then it tells us why. It says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due for what we have done in our body, whether it be good or evil. The first reason we want to please him is because we love him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We love him. It's a love relationship. We want to please him because we love him with all of our being. We want to fulfill his will for his pleasure. But the second reason we want to please him is because each of us has an appointment at the judgment seat of Christ. Each of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is in reference to how they judge the athletes in the Olympics. But we have an appointment. We have a destiny. 
I am going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to give an account of my life. For everything. Whether it's good or evil. Are my sins forgiven? Oh yes, that's settled. But I'm going to give an account of my life for stewardship. Have I been faithful? Have I taken the spiritual gifts he's given to me and used them faithfully? Have I taken the money he's given to me and used it faithfully? Have I loved my wife as Christ loves the church? Have I raised my children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord as I am commanded? Have I loved my brothers and sisters in Christ more than my own life? Have I been willing to lay down my own selfishness and forgive somebody who has offended me greatly? I will give an account of everything I've done in my body, whether it's good or evil. It's my final exam. And my eternal reward is going to be dependent on how I'm judged. I cannot escape it. I have an appointment. I have an appointment with my master and my Lord and my Savior. And I will face him face to face. And with his all penetrating gaze, he will look at me. And I will give an account to him. And that account will determine my eternal reward in heaven. In yesteryear, Christians had two dates on their calendar. Today, that day. We each one probably should have a sign somewhere in our house. Today, for that day. I wake up in the morning. I live tomorrow. In the light of that day when I will give an account. In that day, will I bless him because I've been faithful to him? Because I did my best to discern his will? Will he be blessed because I sought to live my life for his glory even when nobody was looking? I am persuaded that one of the first things the Lord Jesus will look at is not the sermons I've preached or the places that I've preached or anything like that, but how did I treat this little precious woman that I call my wife whom he gave to me? Will he say to me, Jerry... You have loved her as I commanded you. 
Jerry, you have forgiven those people who hurt you and disappointed you. Jerry, you've shared my gospel with those I brought to your path that I wanted you to speak with. Jerry, you've been faithful to pray for saints all over the place like I commanded you. Jerry, you have sought my face just like I commanded in Psalm 27 when I said, seek my face. Your heart said, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Jerry, you have meditated on my word and you've hidden it in your heart that you might not sin against me. And the list can go on and on and on. I have an appointment. I cannot escape it. The truth will be known. It'll be just like replaying a videotape. And I want to be able to see him face to face and not be ashamed. And say, Lord, with all my heart and soul, I sought to do your will. I know I have fallen so far short of your glory. And you know that I've wept tears over that. And I have repented again and again. And I have called out to you that I might be filled with your spirit, saturated with your presence, and be the very fragrance of the Lord Jesus to you and to others. I have an appointment. I love him. Oh, I want to please him. I want to give him pleasure. I want him to be able to say, you fulfill the reason that I made you. I have an appointment. I want to know that I have been a pleasure to his heart. Do you want to please me? Or do you want me beautiful Savior. I love you. And I praise you. And I've said to you so many times, Lord, if I could kiss your feet, I would.